0: Tala falava, everyone, morena, um, wherever you are in the world. I think it's morning. No, it's not morning anymore. I'm just going to say afternoon. Um, Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you so much for joining me. And um, the sis here... Um, I can't see your name okay I'll edit that part out but anyway um, thank you <laughs> thank you so much thank you so much for joining us um, I'm about to do a podcast uh, with the Living Cocoa team they are based in Melbourne and just do some incredible work and I've been so excited to do this podcast um, as a chocolate lover myself as a craft chocolate lover um, I appreciate Living Cocoa so much more as a brand because they use specific chocolate and um, yeah I'm excited to have you on so thank you so much
1: Thank you for having me. It's exciting to speak to you too. I've been listening to your other podcasts and getting excited and nervous. <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, it's wonderful yes. to be here. No, thank you so much. So before we start, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Okay. Um, I am an entrepreneur, but I'm also a multidisciplinary artist. Um, I'm a Pacific dance teacher. I I teach uh, Polynesian movement. Um, I am Samoan. Uh, My mother is from Waiusu and my dad is from Wailima, so we're Samoan German. Um, Grew up in New Zealand and spent a lot of time back home in Samoa too. Uh, I live in Melbourne. We have raised living koko for the last six years. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's building and then going from strength to strength.
0: I love that. And I've, I've, i follow you very closely. I pay attention. You know, some stories I literally just go, but when it comes to living koko, I like actually take time to watch. Um, but, um, tell us a little, t- tell us a bit about your experience, um, in the recent show that you re- that, that living coco was part of. Um, it just looks so exciting from the Instagram stories and I'd love to hear more about it.
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, we, were, we were really blessed to be given an opportunity from Pacific Trade and Invest to be part of the Fine Foods Expo here in Melbourne, and also from MDF, which is Marketing Development Facilities, which are based in Fiji. Um, they gave us the opportunity to be part of the Melbourne International Coffee Expo. So it was huge. It was uh, very humbling to put Samoa on the map and to be one of the very um, I think the only, yeah, the only um, people there uh, promoting Samoan foods, um, and especially our cocoa from Samoa, which you know is our is our national drink. Um, I gotta say, when I first rocked up to set up our stall, I felt like a really small fish in a big pond. Um, I was extremely nervous, um, and you know, as I questioned a lot about whether I should be there and whether it was, you know, our time and whether I, I knew enough to be there, but the way they placed us at, uh, Pacific train invest had placed us all where there were, um, eight stores from many different islands all together, and we all kind of supported each other in a really beautiful way. And it made me it reminded me how even though our islands are very small, we we're very mighty. We had such a great vibe and good energy there. And, yeah, just those those thoughts of doubt just disappeared. And, yeah, we took it on, which
0: was cool. I love that. I love that. And and I've um, just since living in Sydney, I've met people from, like, just people in Sydney who have no idea that Tongans and Samoans and Pacific Islanders are different. They kind of just class us all as one. And I'm like, they don't realize that we're two, you know, that we're totally separate uh, cultures. And so some of the things that I say is like to describe us, I say um, we're different, but we are still very connected, if that makes sense. So I love that um, your experience there. What was the inspiration um, behind uh, Living Koko? Oh, gosh,
1: it's really hard. eh? It's hard to pinpoint the exact time that you, that brings you to this moment now, you know, like if you look right back, you know, it, it, it could have been, I, I spent a lot of time in Samoa. I used to teach scuba diving at Le um, Langoto in Savai. And every time I'd go back to Samoa, I kept seeing a lot of, you know, homelessness or different challenges that we were facing within Apia um, and also within our more vulnerable communities. Um, and understanding that koko is, you know, a it is something that we can easily export. There's no duties when you're sending it out to Australia and New Zealand and not like coffee and other um, commodities. Uh, It was trying to find something that we could create a market for outside of Samoa and, you know, and then also be able to purchase directly from, from Mm. our subsistence farmers, from our Ainga, from our family and, and bring here. Yes. So when we first started, we first started, I didn't even know how to make chocolate. Like, we were like, let's just start a chocolate business. Oh, I, I better YouTube this. Um, so I'm a huge YouTuber and researcher online. And I definitely have an attitude of, you know, I can pretty much do anything. Unless it's like brain surgery. Like, don't don't get me doing that. But, but you know, anything like that, you can pretty much look it up. Uh, so we did a lot of research on, on you know, how to start a business, how, how to make chocolate, the science behind it. We built a lot of our machines, um, you know, chocolate making machines, and are extremely expensive. And um, I think there is a lot of you know island ingenuity within this uh, within this business. And if you have a kind of can do attitude, you can you can make it work. So uh, my partner and I started living Koko just wanting to do something to, you know, give back to Samoa, to create markets for for export, and to have a trade and not aid approach. Um, you know, I think we all grew up sending the remittances and still sending remittances back home to Samoa, which is such a beautiful part of our culture and supporting our families. But it's also to um, to be able to activate something that helps with self-motivation back home, that, you know, people have can create their own little micro-businesses, What we have back home is, you know, we may be cash poor, a lot of us cash poor, but we're asset rich with our rich soils, our volcanic lands. You know, you just throw the Mongol seed out the window and it grows. (laughs) We're really blessed in that way. So how do we use, and, you know, that is what people are craving for in a Balangi society. You know, the organic foods or the um, nutrients where a lot of our soils here in Australia are depleted because they've monocropped. We don't have that back home of the way we farm so um yeah when we started living koko it was like well how can we make sure that money goes back home and that we create this trade and not aid approach
0: yeah you know when i think about it i think you know my parents are in excellent shape you know they grew up in samoa a lot of my aunties and uncles you know the generation that came over um, not us who were born not us who were born here in new zealand but like my parents they've got great skin great they're just in, in good shape really good for for people in their 60s and I think I really when I really think about it the Samoan not just Samoan I'd say Pacific Island diet is actually quite organic and quite healthy and not as processed so it's just um yeah I think I need to um start eating healthier now but you know I'm I'm sure like um yeah you know because sometimes I feel like with I'm going off topic here but I'm just thinking about how um healthy our resources are and yeah, you're right, Pacific, uh, sorry, non-Pacifica people here in New Zealand, um, definitely it is. there is a market for it. So it's just awesome that you've you've done it. What's the process um, behind making chocolate? Like, you know, you've explained that it is quite a complicated process, but I'm just wondering, like, if you could get into detail, not that I'm going to go start a chocolate business, but like, um, what's, what's, yeah, how, how complicated is it? Because it's just, yeah, I'm just wondering.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll take it, I'll take it from the seed, hey? So um, you plant the seed, when you germinate the seed, you place it under like a moist cloth to germinate it. And then you plant it in a mulch, which is 50% made of the cocoa pod and 50% made of the coconut husk. Um, Once the seedlings have reached for about two to three feet, then you plant them in the ground. Um, You plant them under the shade of the coconut, coconut tree. Um, and I always say that the coconut has like an auntie relationship with the cocoa. I, you know, from supporting it in its birth, when when the seeds germinate and become seedlings, and then also shading them and looking, which is what aunties do—a eh? hardcore shade sometimes, <laughs> but shading them all, all throughout their life. Um, uh, it takes about three and a half to four years for a tree to fruit. So quite a long time compared to, you know, tomatoes can grow in, in, you know, a few months in a way or within a year. So three and a half years. And then when you harvest, you ferment the cocoa for seven days and then you sun dry it for two weeks. And that's to stop the germination process and allows it to, your cocoa to be able to export. You have to get your cacao under, I think it's 5% moisture to be able to export. If it's anything over that, it can, mould can, start to appear within your seeds, within your beans, and then it just tastes off. Your chocolate tastes off, your sour more tastes off. It's not good. Um, so once we get it here, we roast. And roasting profile is kind of like coffee. You know, if you have a dark roast, you, you're you roasting at a higher temperature for maybe a long period of time. Um, and then you have lighter roasts to bring out the fruitier flavors within the cacao. So you roast uh, and then you grind, or you winnow, which is removing the of the, skin, the skin off the coco. Um, we use the skin for our teas. We have a tea range of cacao husk tea, but we use the beans to make the chocolate and the drinking cacao. We grind that. If we're making drinking cacao, we grind for 24 hours. If we're making cocoa saamo, we grind for maybe three or four hours, but if we're making chocolate, we grind for three days. So it's a long process of grinding. And then um, once we finish that, we have to cure chocolate. So curing is sitting the slabs um, in containers for one to two months. Um, Once it's cured, then you can temper. So tempering chocolate is taking chocolate from a high temperature of roughly um, for our chocolate, because it ha- it's dark, has to be 50 degrees, and then you've got to drop it really quickly to about 30 degrees. So you know when you see on those uh, chocolate shows and they're spreading the chocolate out onto the board, onto um, like a marble table top? That's, um, they're trying to temper the chocolate, so they push it on the marble tablecloth. Top to try and drop the temperature and then they bring it back into the bowl because they want the temperature of the chocolate to be 30 degrees roughly 30 28 30 degrees so it was a huge science about it so you can't like you can't have any moisture in the air the moisture in the air has to be dry the room temperature needs to be around 23 degrees um it's really hard to be tempering chocolate when there's a lot of humidity because um the crystals within the cacao butter can can change um can change a lot they can change from like a shorter crystal to a longer crystal and that means that the am i having a rain man moment and just over explaining (laughs) i'm gonna keep talking about it okay (laughs) um it means that the uh cacao butter will start moving within your chocolate and you know when you get the white streaks that come through chocolate um, it's it's called a cacao bloom. It means that the cacao butter's come to the surface. So to stop doing that, you need to uh, temper your chocolate properly, and then solidify it in between thirteen and thirteen and like sixteen degrees. And if you get it into that temperature, it means that you know your chocolate has that nice shiny look at the top, and it means when you break it, it has that nice snap to it. And that's well tempered chocolate. So uh, and and fine chocolate. So there's a huge science behind it. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm still um, I'm still working th- the way my ancestors did. You know, I'm still looking at reading the temperatures, looking out into the um, into the skyline to see, you know, if the clouds are coming, checking the weather patterns to make sure that you know it doesn't affect the way we make our chocolate.
0: Yeah. I've always understood, I love that, but I've always understood that there was quite a lengthy process mm-hmm. behind making craft chocolate, which is why I'm happy to pay whatever, you know, the cost, because I bought um craft chocolate the other day and one of my mates was like, Tima, what is it with you and these overpriced chocolates? And I was like you know there's a difference like you can just really taste the difference i don't feel like i'm having a sugar crash after i have craft chocolate um and i want to spread that message i want people to get into craft chocolate a lot more i'm yet to purchase living cocoa but i will straight after this um but could you please explain to us and just for um those of us those who are listening could you just explain to us um the difference between craft chocolate and just everyday chocolate that you can access in the supermarkets yeah sure there's a lot of differences. Um,
1: the everyday chocolates in the supermarkets have a lot of sugar in it to start with and not, and aren't made from the cacao bean. The, so the cacao bean has a lot of cacao butter in it. So all the nutrients are in there. Um, and a hundred grams of cocoa a day is what a woman needs for magnesium per magnesium intake. Not that we would have like 100 grams of chocolate, dark chocolate a day, because we get it from other vegetables and fruit and whatever, but um, like our 100 gram bars is what we need for magnesium. The stuff you get in the supermarket doesn't have that. It's packed full of sugar, which is what makes it really addictive. Um, Not only that, but the cacao that they use is uh, usually from uh, plantations in the, western parts of africa or places where they are they don't have food sovereignty um there's a lot of child slavery happening there um there are thousands upon thousands of kids that are working in cacao plantations overseas um that are stolen from their families or bought off their families so in really dire terrible situations promised um promised schooling or promised, you know, wonderful things. And then taking on onto cacao plantations, working there and then going into other different trades, you know, the sex trade, things like that. So it's a really terrible space. And um, so that makes the chocolate extremely cheap because the farmers are having very cheap slave labor. Um, also, uh with some chocolate brands they'll take the they'll use the cacao powder but the the cacao powder is it's cocoa but they've removed the cocoa butter from it so they use cacao butter powder sorry and then they'll add like a, a vegetable oil or just a cheaper oil into it uh, that you know has less nutrients it isn't good for you and again quite addictive too so you know, they say dark chocolate is a superfood and it is, you know, it is actually something that we should be having every day. Um, and roughly 19 grams is a good serving of hot, of dark chocolate, but that's if you, you know, uh, a lot of the supermarket brands is not the kind of dark chocolate you should be having. Um, that's packed with a lot of things that just, it's not, it's not, it's not a superfood
0: yeah yeah and and that's pretty heartbreaking to hear and thank you for sharing that because That's just things that we don't. That's just some information that we don't get access to. Every you know, for us everyday people who aren't in that industry. But I do follow a lot of chocolate. Oh, not a lot. Just like one. Um, I do follow a chocolate journalist, and she's um, exposed a lot of brands. I won't mention any brands um, in particular, but they are in the supermarkets. Um, But she's she's exposed a lot of brands who tend to greenwash a lot of their chocolate brands and try and market it in a way where it's been ethically curated or ethically made, but in reality it isn't. It's, they're really just using everyday uh, overly processed cacao powder. or well, not even that, like more cocoa powder. Um, so is that something that you're were, – were you aware of that before you um, came into the chocolate industry, or were you, is this quite new for you as well?
1: Yeah, I was aware of it. I, I spent some time in Africa. My sister lives in Botswana, and I spent a, a bit of time in Africa and seeing – You know there are cacao farmers there that are getting less than a dollar a day for their cocoa and they don't get paid for it until until it lands in europe so you know imagine working your whole life taking your whole harvest putting it on a random like a truck that's heading out and not knowing whether you're going to get paid or not some of those um, exports get lost along the way and then those farmers get absolutely nothing and these are people that have had cacao farms for, you know, fifty to eighty years, you know, a long time. That's a business. That's a family business from that goes through generations. If I had a family business that had gone for fifty years, I'd be living in Tirac. You know, I'd be living in some fancy ass house, but they're not. Like they don't have food sovereignty. So they don't have you know, the power of the and the money the money power of their commodity is at the marketing, and the um, and at the consumer end. You know, it's at this, it's at the at the end where they're making the chocolate and selling the chocolate. It's not actually with the indigenous people, and I think that's really important. Um, it's something that they are starting to latch on to in these countries and, and empowering themselves to speak up more about it. And I think the visibility of other countries showing that they can have food sovereignty, that you can dictate what your cocoa is worth. You know, it's not for some, some foreigner to come into your land and tell you what it's worth. You can decide. Um, Yeah, I, I think Especially for us back home in the islands, it's really important to be activating our custodial lands in different ways. You know, you never know, and it, you see it here in Australia. You never know when when the government is just going to take your land off you, as they have with the Indigenous mob here. Like they'll they'll sign something and say, "Yep, it's yours. We're giving it back," and then, you know, everyone's dealing with COVID and other things, and they're taking it off and and fracking the. Um, these l- l- custodial lands. So, you know, I always have that concern back home. You know, if we're not activating our lands in certain ways, you know, they're just seen as, to foreign investment, it's just seen as resources. You know, we've all grown up uh, learning learning about different mountains and streams, and th- we know the names. We know of, you know, our ancestors that have, have um Growing up there, their bodies are now nourishing a lot of the vegetation around. Um, but we also know, you know, we know the name of the mountain because that mountain was in love with the other mountain, you know, and, and you know all those, you know, legends or creation stories. And having these stories within our lives makes you feel attached to these. Um, nature makes you feel like you're connected because they're all part of your growing up stories where in a lot of uh spaces like western spaces they don't necessarily have those stories that connect them back to nature because they're so displaced from their own lands so when they see a mountain they see it as you know some people will see it as a commodity you know it's a resource to it's something to sell but you know we wouldn't sell that mountain because we know that mountain's history and story yeah
0: how, how I mean, I, I I'm sure that um, you know when you are purchasing cacao or cocoa from cacao or oh, such a balangi, um when you are purchasing cocoa from farmers and and back home and Samoa, um, you know how does how do how does that impact them? Like I I understand it must be heartwarming for them, but you know what's that feeling like for you and and also for them? Like could you? I guess I want to learn know more about the interaction the relationships that you have in Samoa and um, how that's impacted your business. Yeah, sure. So we've been, uh, when we
1: started living Koko, we went back to Samoa and and just spent a lot of time building the relationships. Um, You know what it's like back home, like it's relationships, Say, eh? No one's going to do business with you if they don't like you. <laughs> um, they, you know, they don't, no, we don't care how much money you got. Um, but, uh, you know, making sure that we met the right people, um, people that could act, help activate community. Um, also, like, we worked with WIBDI, with Women in Business for a while. And then we also moved and worked with uh, Savai Koko. So Savai Koko was based in Nassau, and they are the main suppliers of uh, Whitaker's and chocolate, you know, there's that. yeah. So that, you, that comes from Savai Koko did a project a few years back. Um, oh, I can't remember the company that they did it with, sorry, but um, they have an, an incredible post harvesting processes, like infrastructure. The drying facilities the fermentation facilities and things like that so to um that was probably the best place to start a lot of conversations of you know if we want more cocoa how do we bring some of those post harvesting sting processes into one space to ensure the quality control happens um because you know, it's challenging when you're doing that within the, within the village. There's so many other distractions at times and things that are taking away our people's attention to the koko and when it, and when it it would get to Australia would have other problems with quarantine and mold and things like that. So we really need to centralize these, um, these processes. So Sawa'i Koko does that. Sawa'i Koko did a program with the Simon Chamber of Commerce. Um, giving out free seedlings to anyone who wanted to cultivate cacao. Um, So that, yeah, they both did the same program and that also helped like boost the number, you know, the number of trees within Samoa producing. Um, What we really didn't want to do was to increase the price of cocoa within Samoa. You know, Samoa is one of the very few islands in the Pacific that that consume as much cocoa as as we do. Like we consume a lot of cocoa. It's our national drink. So um, I remember there was the time where the prices of cocoa went extremely high and all my aunties called me and they were like, it's you. I was like, it can't be me. I'm like, I just bought 200 kilos. You know, you got shipments, you you got truckloads going out. I've just got a small amount. But it was like, well, you know, you need to figure this out. Um, And... Luckily for us and the um, Salmon Chamber of Commerce, we doing that uh, project. So it's been a number of years, three and a half years, the trees have all grown, and we're blessed to be able to get that fruit from them now. Uh, we go home two to three times a year um, to connect with Rosie and Sally Moore, I, um, to connect with our farmers, uh, to bring back our products as well, to show what we're making, um, and just to understand the challenges that are happening back home, you know, if there's, uh, you know, price increases or maybe not enough cocoa at times, or, you know, the harvest is taking a little longer than, then we would normally think then, you know, it's at those times where you're on country that those conversations happen, you know, they're not going to happen over the phone. They're going to happen over a three to four hour discussion and a few cups of cocoa. Yeah
0: so Whittaker's chocolate. That's the only chocolate that I I really buy. I I never buy anything else. I only ever buy I only ever buy Whittakers because that's the best tasting chocolate. I'm gonna stop buying it now if you tell me that they. We if if you can tell me that they get their cocoa from an ethical in an ethical way, if that's how they get their cocoa, um, then I'll keep buying it. Could you tell me if they do or do not?
1: <laughs> like, please tell me they do. <laughs> yeah.
0: Please tell uh, me.
1: Um, I well. I can vouch for the cocoa they get from Samoa. Yeah. you know, it's definitely done in the ethical way, and and for what I've seen, like they're quite hands on um, with their farmers. I I I would assume that they are doing that everywhere, you know, in all the spaces that they get cocoa from. Um, there are certifications and things like that out there. You know, there's the um, Rainforest Alliance and things like that, but there's also companies I know of that, or chocolate companies that are certified that have that have child slave labor within their supply chain. So, you know, sometimes these certifications aren't looking deep enough. Well, they don't have the you know maybe enough connections or relationships there to really understand what's going on behind the scenes.
0: Yeah, I mean, you talk about like just listening to you speak, you talk about. Chocolate with such well, koko and cacao, um, with such passion. And I can only imagine how proud you would be displaying your chocolate at uh, f- chocolate festivals and you know uh, what do you call them, chocolate shows or expos. Um, talk to us about that process because sh- I'm sure it's probably really hectic. Um, yeah, what, what's what's that like when you're you've got our beautiful culture that the cocoa out there displayed for the world to see? It must be such a proud moment for you. So talk to us a little bit about that that's a really proud moment.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: especially when,
1: uh, you know, a lot of people don't know much about the Pacific islands, even in Australia, you know, so to, and and they don't definitely don't know that, you know, Kukul is in Samoa. They all think it's in, you know, Peru, South America, and also, um, Africa. But, uh, to know that, you know, my family have been, uh, working with cacao for like, four or five generations. And not just as in like making cocoa more, but, you know, my grandfather was the general manager of Westech, Tech, um, and also the high chief of our district. So as he was activating our villages to grow cocoa, uh, he was also buying it as a good price and, and helping export it all to Germany. Um, when I am given the opportunity to tell those stories at these expos, it is a really proud moment. It shows that, you know, uh, it puts us on, well, I feel it kind of puts us on the map in some ways. And I know there's lots of ways to put Samoa and our islands on the map, but I, you know, in my small way that I can do it, it's a really humbling experience. And um, it is hectic, like <laughs> you're saying the same thing over and over and over again. And um, and sometimes you got to really figure out uh, what this person wants to hear. Like, what is going to, what they're going to feel and connect with. And, you know, you'll go down one story that you can see their eyes glass over, and you're like, okay, that's not the right story. So you go in another direction, and then they're like, bing, yeah, okay, I wanna talk about that. And so, yeah, it's just trying to figure out, you know, from a complete stranger what their interests are. And I think as Pacific Islanders, we're actually really good at that. You know, of reading a room, of walking into a space and seeing who needs iipuki, like how, how do we serve this space and how to, and we're also very, I, I think, very good at reading people's eyes and seeing like the small little gestures of like, yep, they're bored. I'm gonna move on with something else. So, yeah, it's it's a great experience and uh, has definitely taught a lot of us how to how to pitch. You know, they tell it, they talk about, you know, your 11 second elevator pr- pitch. If someone says, what's your business and blah, blah, blah. I, you definitely fine tune it while you're at these events.
0: Man. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm just wondering, like, I mean, for me, I, I'm always so proud to talk about someone culture and I hardly ever do it though. Um, yesterday I was at my best friend's wedding and I did a Samoan Siva and I was nervous as about it, but um. I was just so proud at the same time, you know, usually I don't really smile that much in public, but like when I'm doing a SIVA in a group, but when I was by myself, it was just a proud moment wearing that swing. And so that's why I wanted to ask you, because it must be such a proud moment for you, you know, displaying our culture out there for the world and showing them that we're not just a a holiday and, you know, a tourist destination, Um, we actually have some great resources on our island, which is something that I know I'm definitely proud of. You know when you know when relatives go to someone, they come back with like a box or a chili bin full of like freshly made luau and galo and like you know cocoa. So um, yeah, that's why I wanted to ask that question. How is we? Uh, how can we as a community? How can we as a as a speaker community get behind living cocoa and really show our support? Um, wow. Well,
1: you know, there's the buying of the products, but just sharing. You know, sharing our story. Um, Even if you don't yourself like dark chocolate, but you have colleagues at work that like it, you know, talking about it, showing people our website, that's always good. Um, You know, just supporting, following us online, on social media. Um, Yeah, talking about us in an uplifting way too. I think sometimes uh, it's very easy to see spaces and have a desire for that you know, a business within your life, or or an activation like that in your life, and instead of um, lifting that space up, sometimes we can very easily throw shade. And um, you know, if if someone wins, we all win. If I win, we all win. You know, it, it's uh, I've always had that kind of mentality. So you know, support Pacific businesses. Yeah. You know, there's uh, what I found really. What I was really proud of, especially at the Fine Food Expo, is, you know, there are all these, you know, newer vanilla, um, Tanner Coffee, like there's all these Pacific businesses there that I know i have done the hard yards to even get to that point to have a product to be on an international stage. But it's not just us standing there with our cocoa. Like it's not just it's not my story, it's mine and everyone else that this cocoa touches, you know. Um It's all the families where you support living koko, it's also there's a flow on effect and that flow on effect goes back to our people back home. Yeah.
0: Talk to us about a, a day in the life for you, because, you know, we've already talked about how hectic it can get at festivals, the lengthy process behind making chocolate. But now I would like to know a little bit about your day and what you get up to and how you structure your day to not only run such a successful business that makes a great impact on our home islands, um, but also, um, yeah. What, 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 how do you fit everything in? Uh, (laughs) I'm going to sound a bit strange.
1: Um, okay. So firstly, I run my month based on moon cycles. So I'm, uh, I work really hard to be attuned to, you know, where I am within my personal cycle and then what's actually happening in moon spaces. Um, I know there's times within the month that, I'm definitely a no person, no get away from me person. And then there are times within my month that I'm just like, yes, yes, I'm all about ideas and things like that. So um I schedule a lot of my meetings that I know uh I need to be creative, um, come up with ideas, be inspirational and things like that in certain moon cycles, usually in a in a waning moon or a new moon. But um and then for a normal day within that space. I try and get, um, a lot of my work done before lunch. Um, a lot of my meetings are done, um, around 10 o'clock, 10, 11 o'clock. I really try and do that. Um, or I have two amazing, um, people within our team that, um, help that we've trained to make the chocolate now and send out the orders. So now I can, which is amazing. Now I can focus on, um, growing the business. Instead of constantly working in the business. I can work on the business, um, and, you know, reach out, do those sales and things like that. The bigger picture stuff, um, so yeah, meetings before 12, bigger picture stuff, probably about, uh, one to two. And then like two to four, I do like a lot of my administration and things that don't take enough, much creative headspace, but you know, paying bills take into our cash flow, um, things like that. Yeah.
0: When you say moon cycle, what does that mean? Like now I'm, now I'm like, we're going to be talking about something completely different now. Forget chocolate. We're talking about moon cycles now. (laughs) So when you say moon cycles, what, what, does that mean? Okay. So,
1: um, you got your new moon, you've got your waning moon, you've got your waxing moon, you got your full moon. Right. And, um, and a woman's cycle, like our menstrual cycles, so we are like, we're going moon cycles, we're talking like, um, when a lot of women's cycles, if we are eating clean, um, looking after our bodies, um, you know, not on medication and things like that, they should, they're usually sitting around the new moon or the full moon, which is when there's like a certain kind for me, this is what I believe, certain kind of like, um, gravitational forces. That are happening within our bodies and on the planet, and um that's when you know there's a release um of your period. Um so kind of like uh okay. With with permaculture, permaculture is like the uh natural way of planting and understanding the uh Different plants and things, and how they're affecting a plant. Um, and, you know, the natural ways of planting. Um, there's like a certain week that is for n- new leafy greens. There's a week for root plants. There's a week for, um, uh, sorry, we for, <laughs> let me get this right. <laughs> the week for leafy greens, we for root plants. Week for um, supporting the, the the full tree, and then there's also a week for looking after the soil. So if you're thinking about those four weeks, and then you put those four kinds of weeks within your cycle, there's if you're the if you're seen as the soil, like I see myself as the soil. On the fourth week, which is my menstrual week, I am doing everything to look after myself and my self care. You know, it's not a time for me to be out there um, promoting Living Koko because it's really like a more of a deep reflection time for me. Um, So that's my soil time. The week before my soil is um, a week, a time where I'm putting things to rest. So any ideas that I had in the new moon time, which is new leafy greens and permaculture on the new moon time. So I go new moon, leafy green cultures. Uh, next one is roots. So I'm putting in roots to these ideas. The third week is I'm looking after the whole tree and like myself, the whole business, but I'm also putting things to rest. I'm not creating anything new within this final week. And then there's my menstrual week as my soil and I look after me. So I have this mapped out. I have this mapped out in my own calendar, my own personal calendar. And so when people are like, can I do this? Can we do this? Can we do this? I'm like, no, actually I can't. That's a soil, that's my soils week. And I really need to reflect and look inwards for myself. I, I won't be good at being creative at that. You won't be get me at my best. And then the week before that being my um putting things to rest, like I find at that point I'm definitely a no person. I people will come with me an idea and in my head, I'm like, hell no. Which could be a great idea, but it's just that for some reason that week I'm just not in the headspace for those kinds of thoughts. Um, but it's always around the new moon where good intentions are coming through. And I'm feeling more positive that, that I um, plan those things. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so that's me. I, I love that. I love that. I actually might, I feel like that is such a good way of living for women. Not yeah. just women. I mean, anyone can live like that. But for me as a woman, yeah, I've never looked at life that way. Oh, it's so good yeah yeah. like you know what and actually i used to work for a maori health organization and in the maori health organization a lot of maori women and they all practice maramataka i don't know if you've heard of maramataka Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so they all they all practice maramataka and and i and me being one of the only samoan girls in there um you know i would say oh i'm feeling like really tired and then they'll just say to me you're probably due for your period and then i'll say huh you know and they'll be like, Yeah, you probably are. You just need to take this time to just relax. That's why you're feeling quite drainy. So just relax. But, you know, as some, like, I don't, I'm just as children of immigrants, um, we don't know how to rest. You know, it's, it's really hard. Because for me, especially, I grew up with parents who work two jobs each and would never rest and they don't value resting. Resting to them is lazy, um, yeah. which is not. We need to change that. Uh, completely. Um, but I love that. And it's so, and, and I thought, oh no, that's probably just a mouldy thing. Like, maybe us uh, Pacific girls don't really need to live like that. But now, it has been, it's so encouraging hearing that from you because I'm like, feeling inspired. Like, maybe I should start doing that. Yeah.
1: You so should totally do it. Like, yeah. it's, um, there's a app called Stardust. Mm. I, a friend of mine just put me on it, that if your mates are on it, you can all track each other too. So you'll yeah. be like, oh yeah, we're not catching up when you're in that yeah. state. Yeah, yeah. Later when you're when you're feeling good and I'm feeling good yeah yeah that's a really good way of uh, just tracking where you're at tracking uh also you know um what your cycle is doing the length of it you know th- it can teach us so much about our own health about how we're looking after ourselves and I find the times that I push through like when I'm in, if I'm in soil in the part where I should be looking after myself and, um, and I push through too hard, um, it can change the whole month, the whole future month. Like I'm just exhausted, continue to be exhausted because I'm just starting, you know, my next week of which I should be creative and everything on just the back foot. I haven't looked after myself. I haven't done that self care, so I, I start in my creative week, extremely depleted. And then, you know, you're going through it again and it feels like you're just kind of crawling through your month. But if you can put in those things and, you know, if you, uh, you know, if you can put in, you know, I'm very lucky that I, I try and, you know, get a massage or, you know, make sure I go to the Moana. We have an awesome group of uh, Pacifica sisters and every Sunday morning we go to the Moana at seven o'clock in the morning. Like we meet there between seven and seven thirty. even through winter, we were doing cold water therapy um, and then, you know, having a chai or a hot, hot coffee afterwards. But the days that we, the Sundays that we all did show up for up to the Moana, we realized like, wow, we're, we're actually showing up for ourselves and it's rare and it's free, you know, but it's rare that we even, Put that as a priority and when we did do it we noticed that the rest of our week was just amazing we walked into monday with, with a space of calmness within us and um yeah man I, we deserve it <laughs> you know we all work so hard um we need to really be listening to our cycles yeah
0: I love that. And it's just been so it's so refreshing listening to another Pacifica woman or just another woman uh, talking about things like your period as something natural instead of something so ugly and negative. Because, you know, we're often I often hear about that. I often hear like I often hear people refer to it as shark week or, you know, they don't, you know, or bitchy week or something like that. So just hearing you talk about that self-care because I'm in that stage right now in my life, too. Hearing about you talk about self care, like with so much love um, and appreciation for your body and for yourself, your energy, your surroundings, um, for nature, I think that's really beautiful. So thank you. Aww. That's that's so that's so lovely. Um, I want to move into business now. Could you talk, talk to us a little bit about um, some of your the mo- your most important learning lessons from your business journey?
1: Um, one of the most important lessons. Find a mentor. I think that's probably a really good lesson. Um, We have a business strategist that, you know, is outside of the company, not connected to living Google in a, you know, investment kind of way. But just half an hour of workshopping a decision that's been spiraling in my head for such a long time, they can just ground me with, you know, an understanding of it. But find a business mentor that's in the ring, you know, someone that has actually done business. There's a lot of people out there that are teaching workshops and courses on business development, but have never really had a big, you know, dealt with a major business. Maybe they've had a side hustle, you know, and a little bit of success on a side hustle, but it's a very big difference between a side hustle and a business that you're dropped everything for. You know, uh find people that have done that and have success in that. Um also a big learning for me was to celebrate even the smallest wins you know, as a business owner, you, know, you can go through like 20 emotions in five minutes. <laughs> hey, uh, you can go from, oh my gosh, it's amazing. Holy moly. You know, this is broken. Oh my gosh, everything is the worst. Life sucks. You know, just this whole roller coaster. Um, so yeah, um, really look after yourself in that way and, and, and try and find a, a good mentor and, and, you know, put in those self-care things. You know, self-care is a huge part of my business, you know, besides the fact that we're in the wellness um, sector, we do chocolate, but we're also talking about chocolate as a superfood and looking after yourself. But self-care within your business, I've seen so many people, the amount of stress that comes up within their business, how that affects their gut health, how that then affects their mental health, you know, it's all connected in some way. So, really try and have that balance
0: within your life and a mentor can help with that. Yeah. No, I love that. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And that's so true. Like, um, yeah, it is really good to have a, a supportive team and part of that is the the mentorship, you know, the, the mentoring that you get to help drive your business into the billion dollar business that it is very capable of being. So that's awesome. I love that. Um, what is, Hang on, I've got the question here but I don't memorize it but it's a really good question um what is one thing that pacific people uh, should know and appreciate about craft chocolate
1: um, for me it would be the amount of time energy and consideration that goes in every single step of making craft chocolate like not just me on this end doing the roasting and the tempering and things like that, but the consideration of our people back home that are, you know, just putting all the best intentions and the blessings into their lands to and the hope and the prayers that these trees will grow. You know, there's so much beautiful, gentle consideration that goes in, in every single step. I think that needs to be honored and, um, and supported.
0: Yeah. Mm. Okay, nice, nice. And I have one final question. Um close us off with one message that you'd like to share with the world. Um
1: appreciate the small things. Yeah. Mm. Appreciate the smallest things in life and celebrate them. Like within yourself and within your relationships too. Mm sometimes we're thinking looking for the big dazzling acts or the the massive wins or the huge check that's going to come through within your business but you know celebrate that your staff come in and they're happy and and you all get along and um you enjoy working together and you know just the the small things the small contracts that you get yeah for me, it's the appreciate the small things
0: i love that That is my final question. And that wraps up our podcast. And um, I'm actually going to think about the moon cycle thing a lot more. You know, I was hoping to learn more about chocolate, but I'm more interested in the way that you live. I just think it's such a beautiful way. Um, And thank you so much for sharing that. Like, I don't hear enough women talk about that enough and um I already know your business your, your business just sounds so much more beautiful I already knew it was beautiful but the fact that you as the owner um care so much about nature care about indigenous people and you know um making sure that that's I feel like your brand definitely lives out that message so it's really beautiful
1: oh thank you um yeah I think there's so much shame around our cycles yeah there's so much shame growing up in it and you know how mm. um, is very kind of toxic, masculine way of looking at things. Um, but, you know, we're women, enjoy our femininity. Yeah. Enjoy like, and we're powerful too, hey? Like, our womb yes, is We are, we're powerful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're yeah. in the a
1: portal between, like, the spiritual and the physical. You know, that yeah. needs to be celebrated,
0: hey? Yeah, 100%. I really appreciate it. But we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for giving me your time. Um, I don't want to keep you too long because I know you're busy, but um, I can't wait to share this. Thank you so much for those of you who are listening. Um, but, yeah, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks, sis. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for all the work you do too right, for our community. Thank you for the work that you do. Really, really <laughs> appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. All right. You take care and we'll keep in touch.
1: Okay. You too. Okay.
0: Honey. Bye.